This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. Today, we're going to look at another program here on what is the truth. And we're going to look at what is the truth about sin. You know, when Satan came to Eve and Adam there in the garden, well, Satan told Eve that her life was lacking in several ways. If she would only eat of the fruit, her life would be enriched. He convinced her that sin would make her life better in every way. Well, the same thing is going on today. Satan is speaking to us today through commercials promoting alcohol, programs promoting sex before marriage, homosexuality, transgenderism, gambling, lying, etc., 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 and they're all trying to convince us that sin will bring fulfillment to our lives. So, what is the truth about sin? Well, I found a little plaque, I guess you might say, that says this. A sinful life is like a filthy root. You might get used to it, but it still stinks. And that's the way a sinful life is. So, again, what is sin? You, know, you might look at a little signpost there that points in different directions, and one is pointing at pride, another at lust, another at greed, another at envy, another at sloth, another at wrath, another at gluttony, and again, on and on we could go. But 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 gives us the definition of sin. And that is, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. So sin is not inherited. It is us transgressing God's law. Sin is doing things our way instead of doing things God's way. Let's look at Jeremiah 42, 19 to 22. Jeremiah chapter 42, verses 19 to 22. It says there, The Lord hath said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, Go ye not into Egypt, know certainly that I have admonished you this day. This is Jeremiah speaking there to the uh, Jews after Babylon had conquered the city of Jerusalem. He says, For ye dissembled in your hearts when ye sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us to the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us, and we will do it. And now I have this day declared it to you. But ye have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for which he hath sent me unto you. Now therefore know certainly that ye shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence in the place whether ye desire to go and to sojourn. So Jeremiah is warning the Jews here that God told him, you know, they're afraid of Babylon, and they're afraid to stay in the land, but 
they said, you know, whatever God says, that's what we will do. But Jeremiah says, that's not the way you acted when you told me to go talk to God about it. Well, how did they, what did they do? Chapter 43, look at verses 2 and 7. Verse 2 says, Then spake Azariah the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the proud men, saying unto Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there. Verse 7 says, So they came into the land of Egypt, for they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Thus came they even to Toponese. So in other words, they decided to do what they wanted to do. What Jeremiah said from God didn't agree with what they wanted to do, so they accused Jeremiah of lying and did what they wanted to do anyway. That's sin. Well, what will sin do for you? In other words, what are the consequences of sin? Well, first of all, sin enslaves us. I found a little picture with two guys there, one of them standing up looking at the other one who is on his knees with a chains around his one arm and around both of his legs, and that chain is sin. And he's telling the guy that's standing up above him this, be free, enjoy life. Don't let anybody tell you what you should do. Well, he is a slave to sin. In Luke chapter 16, look at verse 13. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus said, No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So in other words, there are only two masters in this world. God and Satan, or mammon here is wealth personified. You can't serve both of them. You're going to hate one and love the other, whichever way your heart wants to go. In Romans chapter 6, look at verses 14 to 21. Romans chapter 6, verses 14 to 21. Paul there says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin, because that we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. So in other words, stopping there for a minute at verse 17, they had been servants of sin, but they obeyed the gospel, and now they are servants of righteousness because they were made free. Verse 18 tells us, being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness, to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. So again, there's those two masters. They yielded their members previously to uncleanness and iniquity, and from iniquity to iniquity, just constantly going. But now, after they've obeyed the gospel, they are to yield themselves servants to righteousness and to holiness. Now, verse 20. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. In other words, you didn't have righteousness. 
What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? If we are not living according to God's word, we should be ashamed of ourselves. Verse 21, continuing, For the end of those things is death. And in Hebrews 11, verses 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See, right there it tells us that sin is fun, it has its pleasures, but it's only for a short time. And we have a lot, eternity is a lot longer than this short time we spend on this earth. So what is another consequence of sin? Sin has a frightful payday. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone who's reached an accountable age or an age of accountability then they have sinned and come short of God's glory. And Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages or the payday of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we deserve spiritual death. And you know, what should we expect to hear on Judgment Day if we have failed to repent of sin that is still in our lives? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 23, And then I will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Depart. What should we expect to hear on Judgment Day if we have sin that we have not repented of? Matthew 25, verse 30. Matthew 25, verse 30. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. These are the consequences, eternal consequences of sin. Now we have physical consequences of sin as well. But these eternal consequences. Matthew twenty-five forty-one. Then shall he also say to them on the left hand, Depart from ye cursed, ye cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That is what sin, that is the eternal consequence of sin. Well, sin also blinds us, but you know it's a voluntary blindness. In Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 15. Matthew chapter 13, verse 15. Jesus said, For this people's heart is wax gross. Their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. See, those are voluntary deafness, voluntary blindness. And sin does blind us to the facts. You know, you may have heard the story about the blind men and the elephant. Uh, you know, an elephant is brought before these blind men, and each one is given a specific area there to try to determine what he is uh, dealing with there. 
Well, the first blind man felt the side of the elephant and said, it's a wall. The second got hold of a tusk and said, it's a spear. A third felt the trunk and said, it's a snake. The fourth put his arms around a leg and said, it's a tree. The fifth touched the ears and said, it's a fan. Well, the sixth grabbed the tail and said, it's a rope. Well, the little story continues to say, and so these men of Indistan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. They were all blinded to the facts. And that's what sin does to us. It blinds us to reality. In Matthew chapter 13, look at verses 10 to 14. Matthew 13, 10 to 14. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak out of them in parables. Because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. This, this is voluntary again, deafness and blindness. In Second Peter chapter 1, look at verse 9. Second <clears throat> Peter chapter 1, verse 9. He gives there the Christian graces there, starting in verse 5. And we get to verse 9. And it says, But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. There we have another voluntary blindness because of sin in people's lives. Sin also blinds us to our own sins. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. He says, and behold, why beholdest thou the mote or the speck that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam or the board that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye, thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. You know, what we're looking at there is someone has sin in their lives. That's that moat in your brother's eye. Well, you think about a speck in your eye. You want to get that out, a little speck of sawdust, a little speck of dirt, whatever. It's painful. It needs to be gone. Well, so is any little sin that we would consider little. Every sin is major to God. But he's saying, you know, you want to help your brother get that little speck out of his life, get that sin out of his life, and you are so much more sinful than he is. He goes, you're a hypocrite. Get the sin out of your own life first, and then you can help your brother to get the sin out of his life. 
Sin blinds us to the real values of life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. You know what sin tries to do to us? It tells us that happiness is just around the corner. All you got to do is eat the fruit, like Satan told Eve. Work harder, earn more money, go around the corner, buy more things, keep on going, go around the corner again, keep on going. True happiness is never found in sin. You know, many people have knowledge in the stock market, sports, cooking, eating, such things as that. But most people do not know what is really important, and that is spiritual matters. You know, for an example, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Where is that found? If someone wanted to, how to, be, wanted to know how to be saved, could you go to the Bible and tell them the scriptures? You see, sin also blinds us to our need for God. Acts 17, 24 to 28. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 to 28. Paul there says, God that made the world and all the things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain of your own poets have also said, for we are his offspring. You see, sin blinds us to our need for God. You know, about a self-made man. Always oh, a self-made man and stuff like that. No, no, self-made men only fall. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. No, that's... Uh, precondition there or prerequisite of failure. See, people often fail to realize their need for God until it's too late. I want to look at some last words of atheists, and this is from www.sciforums.com. Number one, a fellow by the name of M.F. Rich said this shortly before his death, and I quote, Terrible horrors hang over my soul. I have given my immortality for gold, and its weight sinks me into a hopeless, helpless hell." Unquote. Thomas Paine made this comment shortly before his death, and I quote, I would give the worlds, if I had them, that the age of reason had never been published. Oh, Lord, help me. Christ, help me. No, don't leave. Stay with me. Send even a child to stay with me, for I am on the edge of hell here alone. If ever the devil had an agent, I have been that one." Unquote. Sir Francis Newport 
who was the head of the English Infidel Club, made this comment shortly before his death, and I quote, Ye need not tell me there is no God, for I know there is one, and that I am in his presence. You need not tell me there is no hell. I feel myself already slipping. Wretches, cease your idle talk about there being hope for me. I know I am lost forever. Oh, that fire. Oh, the insufferable pangs of hell. Unquote. And then Robert Ingersoll made this comment shortly before his death, and I quote, O oh God, if there be a God, save my soul, if I have a soul, unquote. Now, some say that his comment went this way, and I quote, O oh God, if there be a God, save my soul, if I have a soul, from hell, if there be a hell, unquote. So you think about it, how many of the atheists we just read really didn't believe in God. Sin also blinds us to the truth about the simplicity of the gospel. You know, Satan hides the gospel from everyone that he can. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Paul says there, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So Satan hides the gospel from us so that we will be lost in sin. Satan deceives people into thinking baptism is not necessary for salvation. You know, many places in the Bible say that it is in the New Testament. You know, one place, Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. You know, Jesus does never lied. So when he said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, he was speaking reality. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Acts 2, 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Again, for, the little word, Greek word, ace, for, unto, toward. It does not mean because of, but sin blinds people to that fact. In Acts twenty two sixteen, Ananias there speaking to Saul of Tarsus, and this is Paul recounting what happened there in the city of Damascus. Ananias told him, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. See, that's how we call on the name of the Lord, and that is obeying the gospel and being baptized to wash away our sins. In 1 Peter 3, 21, Peter said, The light figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. If somebody says baptism is not necessary for salvation, then they are contradicting an inspired apostle by the name of Peter. And you know, inspiration came 
came from the Holy Spirit. So anyone that says that baptism is not necessary for salvation is contradicting the Holy Spirit. But he says, continuing there, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. And he says, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, Satan deceives people into thinking they're saved by faith only. Over in James chapter 2, verse 24. James chapter 2, verse 24. James there, after giving examples, stated this. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. You see, the devil is there saying, all you got to do is eat the fruit of faith only or grace only. Just eat the fruit. But Satan's lying because James, another inspired man by the Holy Spirit, said that faith or Works by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Well, what else will sin? What's another consequence of sin? Sin will harden us. And you think about you're driving down the road and you see this caution sign ahead and said, you know, bridge out or whatever it may be, wreck ahead. Well, there's a little warning sign that says, caution, sin is at work hardening your heart. In Hebrews chapter 3, Look at verses 12 to 13. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. The Hebrews writer there states this. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Yes, sin deceives us just like Satan deceived Eve. And we will be hardened if we allow sin to do that. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verses 1 and 2. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Paul wrote there, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. In other words, they have no more remorse for sin. Their conscience is seared. You think about whenever an animal or a cow or whatever is branded, it sears that skin and there's no more feeling in it. Well, that's the way our consciences get whenever we are deceived by sin. So we've looked at what sin will do for us. Now let's look at what sin will keep us from. In other words, what are we missing if we are lost in sin? Well, sin keeps God's forgiveness from us. Again, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That verse just tells us every person who has sinned needs forgiveness. And God has provided a way for the forgiveness of our sin, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in Acts 2, 37 and 38, Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38, 
after Peter had given the sermon. It says, Now when they, that being those who were listening, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, Peter didn't say to them, Well, you believe, so you're already forgiven. You have faith, so you're already forgiven. No. They believed what he said, or they wouldn't have made the comment, and their hearts wouldn't have been pricked. They knew that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and that they had crucified him. They were confessing his deity. Now Peter said, here's what you lack. You need to repent, change your life, and you need to be baptized, immersed in water, where you contact the precious blood of Christ for the remission of your sins. You go over to, let's see. Oh, I love it whenever my mind goes blank. Over to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and one through 4. Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? See, that's where Jesus shed his blood was in his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Buried there, that leaves out sprinkling or pouring. That means immersion. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. And then look at verses 5 and 6. For if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and that is in baptism, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Our old body of sin is destroyed in baptism because of the remission of sins. But we must continue to live faithfully because sin will keep us from this, from heaven. Second Peter 2, 20 to 22. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20 to 22. Where it says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, again, that's a Christian, they are again entangled therein, entangled in what? The pollutions of the world, and overcome. In other words, they have gone back into sin. The latter end is worse with them from the, than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than that after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog has turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So you notice there, you know, television and billboards and people make sin look like a beautiful thing. But God says this beautiful thing to human beings is really a dog eating its own vomit and a sow wallowing in the mud. That's the way God describes it. And if we fail to forgive others, we're not going to be forgiven. Go over to Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Matthew six fourteen and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you give, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. See, if we do not forgive others, we're not willing to forgive others. That's sin, and it's going to keep us from the forgiveness of God. And sin also keeps us from companionship with Jesus. As long as we're faithful, we have companionship with Jesus the Christ, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. And how do we get in Christ? We saw in Romans 6, 3, and 4, we're baptized into him. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 tells us the same thing there. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 for we are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ to put on Christ. But continuing there in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 again. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. Who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. <clears throat> Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And sin will keep us from that fellowship. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. There John wrote, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one another with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. As long as we are living according to the word of God, then Jesus' blood continues to cleanse our sin. And sin causes us to walk in darkness. John three, nineteen to twenty one. John three, nineteen to twenty one says, and this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. All you've got to do is look around and see that. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now you think about those statements that were made by atheists previously that we read they lived in darkness it was too late when they came to the realization that yeah there really is a god there really is a hell don't you know that now while sitting in torment in Hades they wish they had come to the light Sin keeps us from a meaningful prayer life also. As long as we are faithful, God will listen to our prayers. 1 Peter 3.12 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. God will not listen to our prayers if we have sin in our life that we're not willing to repent of. And the practice of sin in our lives causes God to stop listening to us. Look at a couple of passages in the book of Jeremiah. 
First, go to Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 16. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 16. God tells Jeremiah, Therefore pray not thou for this people, neither lift up cry or prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. If there's sin in our lives right here, God's telling them, don't even pray for them. Don't even pray for them. In Jeremiah 11, verse 14, he states that again. Therefore pray not thou for this people, never lift up cry or prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. Don't even pray for them, Jeremiah. I'm not going to listen. That's serious. Sin will keep us from a meaningful prayer life. And you think about what hope does sin give? What hope does sin give? Absolutely none. Sin gives us no hope. Now, as long as we're faithful, we have hope. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 to 21. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 to 21. Speaking about Abraham. says, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. He's talking about the birth of Isaac, Abraham almost a hundred years old, Sarah ninety years old way past the age of bearing children, but God said, you just look at the stars, your seed are going to be that many. And Abraham believed God. Abraham believed him. In Hebrews chapter 6, look at verses 18 and 19. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. There it says, by two immutable things, these are unchangeable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Now, what are those two unchangeable things? God's promise and God's oath. All right, now, what is that? God has promised that we can have eternal life, Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 2. Titus chapter 1, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, that which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So, verse 19 of Hebrews 6 says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both steadsure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Our hope is steadfast, because God has promised us eternal life if we're faithful to him. He has made that oath that if we are faithful, we will hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. God's promises are not broken. God does not break his oaths. And that hope that we have of eternal life 
Those atheists didn't have that. But we can. And sin causes us to lose hope. Ephesians 2, verses 12 and 13. Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. He's speaking here to the Gentiles of Ephesus. That at that time, whenever you're still, you know, you're separate from the law and all this stuff. You were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. In other words, you were not, you weren't Israelites. And strangers from the covenants of promise. Covenant under the law of Moses and a covenant under the law of Christ. And he said, having no hope and without God in the world. When you were still living in sin, you were without hope and you didn't have God. But verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, and again, ask the question, how do we get in Christ? Romans 6, 3 and 4, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, baptized into Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Made nigh. Sin causes us, there is no hope, but in Christ we have hope. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen. Paul says there, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Those who do not obey the gospel, they have no hope. And sin keeps eternal life from us and leads us to eternal punishment. As long as we're faithful, God has promised us eternal life, but sin brings eternal condemnation. Romans chapter 2, look at verses 7 through 9. Romans chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. It says there, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. Those that are being faithful to God receive eternal life. But verse 8 says, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. Now what do they receive? Indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil to the Jew first or of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Sin brings punishment. In Titus chapter one, again verses one and two this time. Titus chapter one verses one and two says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. In John 5, or 1 John 5, look at verses 11 to 13. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 to 13 says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. 
These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And if we practice sin in our lives, then we're just like a dead, decaying corpse. 1 Timothy 5, 6 there mentions those that have been widowed at an early age and and they do not remarry, says, but she live, that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. 1 Timothy 5, 6. Dead while we live. In Revelation 21, 8. Revelation 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have the part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verses 16 to 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, in other words, this physical body, it's, it's dying more every day. But then he says, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So we have this physical body and we have our spirit. And if we're being faithful to God, our spirit is doing what? It is renewed every day. Verse 17, for our light affliction, in other words, what we're going through in this life, whether it be persecution or pain and all those things, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, if we're being obedient to God again. And verse 18 tells us how. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. In other words, they're temporary. It's all going to be destroyed. It all comes to an end. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The spiritual things of this life are eternal. So what is the truth about sin? Sin is any or every transgression of God's commands. Sin enslaves us. It makes us a slave. Sin has a frightful payday. Eternal punishment in hell. Sin blinds us. But as we mentioned earlier, it's a voluntary blinding. Blindness. We blind ourselves. And sin will harden us. It will make us where we have no more remorse for the sin we're doing. Sin keeps God's forgiveness from us. Now God's always willing to forgive us if we're willing to repent. But if we don't, he's not going to forgive us. Sin keeps us from companionship with Jesus. And if we're not a companion with Jesus, we're a companion of the devil. Sin keeps us from a meaningful prayer life. God will not listen to our prayers if we have unrepented of sin in our life and we're not willing to repent of it. Sin gives us no hope. There's no hope in sin. And it just leads, sin leads to eternal punishment. Sin does things for us, yes. <laughs> and 
sin keeps us from things, yes, and none of them are good. Those things that sin keeps us from, those things are all good. And the thing that sin does for us, those are what are never good. So again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in today to listen to the lesson, and we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also you can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram, and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoy this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.